We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. We have Trey Lance trade, not rumors, but the 49ers are receiving calls about a Trey Lance trade. We will talk about that. And then we're going to dive into some draft content for you. We have the three players we each like on the offensive side of the ball. I'm really excited to dive into that. And we've both been in the lab. It's grinding tape. And we can't wait to tell you guys about that. Let's dive in. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Man, welcome back to football. Thanks, dude. Um, I uh, yeah, it's been it's been busy. I don't know if you if you've been paying attention to the uh, the basketball scene in Northern California recently, but it's uh, it's been a little hectic. Is that I don't know I don't know what you're motioning to. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a hoodie by Brickhouse Industries commemorating the NorCal basketball playoff series. Oh, it's got exciting. the Tower Bridge and the Bay Bridge. It's really cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that is cool. I like that. Um, brag. But yeah, no, my life has been engulfed with uh, with Kings Warriors. So taking a little bit of a break before heading over to San Francisco for the next, oh, I don't know, four nights, three nights. And uh, yeah, but took some time away from from Kings break, breaking down Kings tape to uh, to college NFL college draft prospect tape. I remember like I'll, I'll remember how to talk about this as time goes along, but I feel like I'm stumbling through it, but. I'm going to warm back up to this. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> I've been I've been having a really good time with it actually because I was so hesitant for so long to get into this stuff because it's like the Niners don't pick until 99th like who the hell knows who's going to be available. But as soon as the like deeper mock drafts start coming out and you start to get an idea of what kind of players might be around at that point, I've gotten really really into it. I have so many takes on guys. <laughs> that's because, great. Like that's what's, what's funny about 99th and we'll get to the trail line stuff here in a second. But what's funny about the Niners not picking until 99th, at least they're not scheduled to pick till that point. They could trade up. But there's such a wide range of options 
like in the first round, you typically have an idea of like, okay, here's the 25 guys who are definitely going to go in the first round or the 30 guys who are definitely going to go in the first round at 99. Like there could be a guy who's mocked at 60 and everybody thinks he's going to go in the second round who could just fall that far. Yeah. That's kind of where it went with a couple of my guys. Yeah. I tried to, I, I stayed a little bit, I stayed a little bit lower in the draft. I didn't try and do a, a big slide thing, but there's going to be a couple guys like that when we do defense that I, uh, that I think the Niners might trade up for, but we can, we can talk about that when uh, we can cross that bridge when we get to it. What we got to talk about first though, is Ian Rappaport on Wednesday morning or recording this Wednesday. So Ian Rappaport this morning reported that the 49ers are receiving calls and have received a bunch of calls on Trey Lance and that the 49ers have been listening on those calls. And of course, like they've, they say that all the time, they'll listen on any player but what do you make of the news that this is now getting out there that Rappaport says the 49ers have received inquiries from several teams looking into a potential trade for the former number three pick Trey Lance. The conversations have been the result of San Francisco fielding the calls, not making them with teams aware that Brock Purdy is likely the future starter. So this definitely came from the Niners it, and it's it, fascinating that they're leaking this now eight days before the draft. It really feels like it's coming from the 49ers. And this is like I've said it on this pod. I've said it to just about everybody I talk to who asked me about Trey Lance. Like I've been of the mind that, you know, the 49ers just need bodies at quarterback. Um, They have seen so many unforeseen circumstances when it comes to quarterback with injuries and everything else that. They shouldn't count out the idea of Trey Lance playing football for them and potentially playing football at a high level that they that they drafted him to play, right? But this feels like for the first time, in my opinion, that like, no, they they want it out there that they're trying to create a trade market for him, right? Mm-hmm. This is what you do. You know, you say, you tell teams or you tell the national media that teams are are calling us and we're listening to to those calls. We're not making calls. We're not trying to alienate right. our player, but we are taking those calls and teams are very interested. So, if you happen to be one of those teams, you might you might want to get a little bit more aggressive with your offer. Um, that was my favorite part of the of the thing. They're not right. making calls. They're taking right. them. Right. Okay. That that's that was really sort of the the tell the the tell or the indicator that it was actually coming from the 49ers, right? Because yeah. other teams, if they're trying to trade for Trey Lance, aren't gonna leak to the media that like, hey, we're really trying to go get Trey Lance. Because once the media does that, then the price goes up, presumably if the media reports it and creates that market that it would appear right. the 49ers are creating here. So um and it's just to go ahead. Go ahead. Just to just to kind of get to the would they or would they not trade him aspect of this, because that was the fascinating thing to me, is, okay, so they're clearly trying to drum up some level of interest, but like we've talked about before and like you just alluded to, they're not really in a spot where they can just trade a quarterback, specifically one that they traded up to, to get third overall. But this feels to me more like they would move him in case some team misses out on the top four quarterbacks and I don't even, I don't even know 
who it would be, but some team at 25th, I don't even know who's picking 25th, but let's just say the team at 25th goes, we need a quarterback. Uh, Trey Lance, the, the Niners are taking calls on him. Let's go give him a first round pick for him. Like that's what, that's what this seems to me. I don't think the Niners are necessarily trying to unload him. I don't think they're trying to, but I did think it was notable. I read on 49ers web zone, the rap report said that Trey Lance, the team believes that Trey Lance is currently behind uh, Sam Darnold. In the potential pecking order. So yikes. If the 49ers don't believe that Trey Lance is better than Sam Darnold, then yeah, trading him does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, because it is a lot of money, you know, eight, nine million dollars that Trey Lance is is gonna make this year because he was a third overall pick. That's a pretty good amount of money for your third string quarterback, potentially. So mm. yeah, like that, you know, again, this is the first time I've really felt like you know, maybe they are more open to, to moving off trade than I thought. Like, cause my line mm-hmm. of thinking had always been like, well, you know, at the draft this last year, they kind of expected Brock Purdy to, to be, you know, an innings eater in training camp and somebody who's going to be on the practice squad, maybe with a chance to develop lo and behold, he's, he's the favorite to be the franchise quarterback going forward. Right. So yeah. um, we've heard rumors about them, not, not being super enthralled with Trey recently. I do find it interesting too, that as all this stuff comes out, Trey Lance is being more active on Instagram showing his vacation. I believe it's Hawaii or somewhere tropical. (laughs) Um, Must be nice. I do find that a little bit interesting. So I don't know, man, like I don't know what they can get for him. I do feel like if you're trading him this off season, you're trading him when his value is at its lowest assuming you know maybe they just think man he's he's just so bad that if we play him we're not going to be able to get anything for him whereas if they trade him this spring before he does potentially play in regular season games they can get a third or a fourth round pick or or something like that so the idea like the idea that the 49ers would view Sam Darnold more highly than Trey Lance at this point would indicate to me that, yeah, maybe Trey Lance is not long for this team. I just have, I, I don't know. That's being behind Sam Darnold though. Like that's, I get that Sam Darnold played better last year and he's not played on really a good team yet. I understand all that, but they, this was this was the case even before this Rappaport thing, and this is why I thought that, that the Niners wouldn't trade Trey Lance's offseason. Is if they're really of the belief that hey, he just needs to play, but it's not going to be here because there's a chance that if he plays, we win seven games and we can't we can't have a season like that. Okay, like oh fine, but you then run the risk of okay, Brock Purdy has some kind of setback. And now Sam Darnold is your starter and rookie quarterback that they draft late is your backup. Right. Like that's that's just a and regardless of where they think Trey Lance is in front of or behind Sam Darnold, he's he's certainly better than because they're they're not gonna catch the Brock Purdy lightning in a bottle two years in a row. Right. With a day three pick who's just gonna come in and go seven and zero as a starter or seven and one as a starter. Like that's just I I'm I don't know, man. That's the HUDs are definitely against it. Yeah. And that's so maybe, maybe they just feel really good about where Brock Purdy's at 
and they think he's going to be back by training camp and everything's going to be fine and they're cool with him and Darnold and a rookie and I'm there's just a huge disaster potential where they trade Trey Lance and he goes to Minnesota or something and he winds up starting and playing a bunch and it turns out he's really good and the 49ers realize that Brock Purdy is just Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0 and now they're looking for a quarterback in two years while Trey Lance is making Pro Bowls. Like that that scenario is very much on the table for me. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it like I guess you you would like a draft pick, right? Obviously you you don't have you haven't had first round picks the last few drafts. Mm-hmm. Um you traded all, all everything you traded to go get Christian McCaffrey. I get wanting to have more picks. And the 49ers absolutely need depth. But just like looking at the roster right now, how many how many spots in the starting lineup are open? You like they need a starter here. Right tackle. And is that it? <laughs> I think that's it. So my my point would be like, yeah, you obviously want draft picks, but you're a team that's that's winning now. Like, I think a quarterback, even though you might not be super high on him at the moment, would have more value to you right now than a fourth round pick. Well, okay, and that's just that so that's the other thing that doesn't make sense to me is everything that's kind of been there's not not been like hard reporting, but I think it, it was Mike Silver in the San Francisco Chronicles said that league executives believe that it's about a third round pick that Trey Lance would be available for or not available for. I'm sorry. That's not what I meant to say. That would be his value. Sure. Is a team would be willing to depart with a third round pick, but the Niners could realistically probably just take two of their late third round picks and move up about to where they could get in a Trey Lance trade. Right. And like you just brought up, they don't have, they have 11 picks right now with, not that many roster spots open and they'll move some around and they'll trade, you know, they have four sevenths. They'll put one of those in a deal and, and, you know, use that to sweeten a pot to move up. Like, okay. But I just don't think that unless they're getting like an early to mid second round pick, I just don't see where the value's at. Yeah, I agree. And maybe even if if he's their most expensive quarterback and he's the third string, like I'd rather have a, really physically gifted third string quarterback than whatever they're going to do with the additional third round pick they get. Right. He knows the offense. He still is super talented. Um, You might not feel great about him as being like the centerpiece of your franchise going forward based on the information you've had since you've drafted him. But if, you know, if you do lose your two other quarterbacks, to injury like the 49ers have in like start including last year, you'd much mm-hmm. rather have Trey Lance than whatever what whatever the alternative would be. Max Duggan from TCU has been the name I've been saying. <laughs> Just picked Max Duggan as the guy. Sure. He's very purdyish to me. Sure. So yeah, I mean, maybe Shanahan's kind of to the point where like do you remember when he first got to the Niners and there was a talk about Colin Kaepernick and well, we don't, you know, we don't want to have to run different offenses for different quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I kind of think you have to run a different offense for Trey Lance than you would Brock Purdy. How so? 
Well, I just, I mean, given how we've seen Kyle Shanahan orchestrate the offense and how much he's run Trey Lance, I don't think he trusts Trey Lance to drop back 35 times if he had to. Now, I personally don't necessarily agree with that, but I'm talking about what we know about Kyle Shanahan and how he's used Trey Lance so far. Right. And there hasn't really been any indication that it's like, oh, yeah, Kyle Shanahan totally believes in Trey Lance as a quarterback from the pocket. Right. And I think to in order to to make up for that, Kyle Shanahan's thinking was, well, we could rely on his athleticism until he does pick up the actual quarterbacking from the pocket part of his game. But Trey Lance isn't the type of runner that Kyle Shanahan expected him to be like. He's not. Mm -hmm. He's not super elusive. He's not a guy that you center your running game around, which is apparent in his very first start in Arizona in 2021 when Kyle Shanahan ran him 16 times. It was like, no, he's just not super dynamic. Like, you can do it, but he's not Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. So, I I don't know. I think it would be... I just like, don't understand. I just don't understand making the pick if you weren't ready to deal with that. Yeah, like that's that's the that's I've I've defended the process and I and I I still do of going up and and taking a big swing for for a quarterback that you think is going to be like that franchise uh, altering guy. And I, I like that's fine, but they're not even going to give it a chance to not work. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I can't get my head around. Like they they started to dive in all the way and then stopped just weird so odd yeah like i there's so many different different ways to look at it like i would as as you know quote unquote brilliant of a mind as as we believe kyle shanahan to be as a play caller and an offensive coach i do think he has a blind spot when it comes to picking quarterbacks like if they if they are punting on Trey Lance, which leaking to the media that you're fielding trade offers to build up a trade market would indicate that you are punting on Trey Lance. That to me, you know, like Brock Purdy was more or less an accident. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Brock Purdy, you took Brock Purdy in the, the the last pick in the draft in the seventh round. There's no way you drafted him being like, oh yeah, this is this is our future. Well. Hey, and you know what's super funny is um, Matt Barrows wrote that really terrific story about the uh, S2 cognition. Yeah. And Brock Purdy's scoring super high in that. And if you talk to Will Hewlett, his throwing coach, he increased his velocity by multiple miles an hour over the offseason. He did all of this work. The Niners didn't even know that. They weren't working <laughs> with S2. They didn't know any of this. Yeah. They yeah. fell backwards into this. Yeah, and so maybe like this is this is a classic case of like you know, sometimes there's there needs to be a strong delineation between a coach and picking players. And Kyle Shanahan mm -hmm. is clearly the guy when it comes to offensive guys. And look, he's been he's been great on a lot of it. Like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Um all really good picks. But these are not quarterbacks. Like he can find mm -hmm. skill guys and the whole, the entire basis of his offensive philosophy is like, well, let's just get the ball to our skill guys. Mm -hmm. And Brock Purdy can do that. And maybe, I mean, I just, I just have a hard time 
sort of reconciling the way we think about Kyle Shanahan as an offensive coach. And I think he's a top five coach in the NFL. I, I think that's, Me too. I think his case is really strong for that. I think the fact that they've been to three NFC championship games and a Super Bowl in the last four years is an indication of that. I think the fact that he's self-aware enough to know, like, no, we need an elite defense if we're going to actually be really good. Mm-hmm. Like that's all, that's all positive for Kyle Shanahan, but like just electing to punt on the 2017 draft class of quarterbacks, which included Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, just deciding, no, we're, we're good. We're, we're going to take Solomon Thomas second overall and we're going to build out our roster and roll with Brian Hoyer and CJ Beathard. Probably a misstep. Jimmy Third Garoppolo, overall. like, you know, I, revisionist history on Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit tough because it was so impressive and we don't know what it would have looked like. I do, I do believe, and I'll always believe that Jimmy Garoppolo just wasn't the same player after the ACL tear. I agree. Then he was. Then he was I, I will, that that was a good. That was a good trade. You trade a yeah. second round pick for a guy who's going to be your starting quarterback for five years, and he takes you to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a good trade. But also, like Kyle Shanahan was a big Josh Allen guy, and Josh Allen was in that 2018 draft right after they made the Garoppolo trade. So mm-hmm. that calculus, you know, they could have moved. It would have. It wouldn't have been popular at the time, but you know, they were they were part of the decision to sign Jimmy Garoppolo was them looking at the draft class and saying, no, we like this Avenue better than potentially Mm -hmm. drafting somebody like Josh Allen. I mean, you know, the Kirk cousins fascination is what it is, right? Like Mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me at all. If the 49ers quarterback situation fell flat on its face this year, that Kirk cousins is the Niners quarterback in 2024. Sorry, but I just, I I refuse to believe that Kyle Shanahan will ever move off that bro. When he said before the 2021 (laughs) draft that, Kirk Cousins is not his like prototype quarterback. And he's like, you want the guy, the biggest, fastest, with the biggest arm. Da, 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 da. Like he was lying. <laughs> he wants, like, he, he has wants the big, Drew fast Brees. guy with the big arm. He, he has that guy and he doesn't, he playing the Kirk Cousins guy instead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So man. I mean, I just think it's risky. I just think like if you're willing to move off of Trey Lance and you'd rather get a third or fourth round draft pick than have a quarterback who knows your offense, who you know, you can at least play with. I don't know. I, I just, I think that's risky because there's no guarantee. Like you could take a running back with your third round pick you get for Trey Lance, who just doesn't contribute to you in the same way that that (laughs) in the same way that mid round running backs have not contributed to the 40 hours in recent years. So I would be, I would just be leery of it like, you know, okay, go ahead and trade Trey Lance. But then if Brock Purdy's not healthy and you're rolling out with Sam Darnold as your starting quarterback and you're trying to win a Super Bowl, good luck. Because at least Trey Lance, like, you don't know what his ceiling is. Right. And I think, like, Kyle Shanahan just in general, and, and you know, I talked to Tim Kawakami about this. I think one of the most illuminating things – yeah, that was a that was a name drop. Shout out to Tim. He was in Sacramento for the, for TK the playoffs. Series. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the most illuminating things Kyle Shanahan has ever said was on TK's podcast when he was talking about house shopping with his wife. And they would look at all these beautiful houses in mm-hmm. Los Gatos and you know, like places where like billionaires live, right? And Kyle Shanahan would make his wife cry by like talking about everything that's wrong with every house that they looked at 
but then mm-hmm. being like, no, I like the house. Just these are the things I don't love about. Like, and yeah, you get the sense that like, that's how he is with players. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, it's a nice, it's a, he's a good player. He's got a big arm, but you know, this, this, and this. Right. And it's like, it's, it's a glass half empty mindset when it comes to that stuff until that player turns into an all pro, like he's just generally not going to, not going to believe it's there until it is there until Debo Samuel has his 2020, 2021 season. Right. Or until, mm-hmm. you know, Brandon Ayuk proves that, you know, he's a, he's a thousand yard guy. Like Kyle Shanahan's going to be like, eh, and be in the doghouse right. for a second. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just I it, so, it feels like it feels like every team that has an elite quarterback right now, there was a pretty substantial risk involved. Like you wrote before the 2017 draft that the Niners should pick Patrick Mahomes in the second round because yeah. that was how he was viewed as a prospect. And then the Chiefs said, No, we're gonna trade multiple picks and we're gonna go up and take him 10th or whatever. Yeah. I was like, what the hell are the Chiefs doing? Jalen Hurts, when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, it was like, what are they? They have Carson freaking Wentz. Why are they drafting Jalen Hurts? And that winds up working out. Um, Josh Allen was a massive question mark coming out of Wyoming. His sporadic accuracy. And that ends up working out. Like these, there's, it's so rare that it just like, yeah, hey, here's this quarterback. He's really awesome. He's going to go first or second, and he's just going to be really good out the gate. Like, I guess Trevor Lawrence is, is kind of in that, in that realm. But it's just like there's the the common thread is there's always this like level of risk that the team takes on, but then they are willing to play through that risk and like, hey, here's the gamble we're taking. And then the Niners took this big gamble and then pulled their chips off the table. Yeah, like I, it, it's it's I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, yeah, I agree that they're giving up too soon. But if they have conviction that like, nah, he's just not it, then like. Is it is it he's not it or is it well Brock Purdy averaged thirty points a game so he's just going to be the guy and the clock on Trey is running out. That's a great question. I'm not sure. I think it's to me it's more that because I don't I don't know how you you've watched th- four let's see four eight twelve thirteen twelve and a half quarters of Trey Lance and you're just like nah. Here's when my you thing. Knew that he was going to need to play. Yeah. Here's my thing. I feel like giving Jimmy Garoppolo the contract after 2017, where he played just five games, mm-hmm. is very, that decision feels very similar as the one like, okay, we just got half a season of Brock Purdy and he's our guy moving forward. Yeah. Like, you can make there, and there were people who were skeptical, like, man, small sample size with Jimmy. Like, can he do this over a full season? Yeah. Why don't they just franchise tag him and then see? Yeah. Why don't, yeah, exactly. This Brock Purdy thing feels very, very similar. And as good as it looked, I don't know that you can count on Brock Purdy to be the franchise guy. Like, you can believe in the makeup and you can believe in the guy and everything like that. But, like we just saw it with Jimmy Garoppolo ultimately like, would it surprise you in two or three years? If Brock Purdy's a guy for an, it, over that time span that they are trying to move on to the next guy at some point, you know what I'm saying? Like no. there's it, the NFL, I just think it's so risky to put all of your, 
all of your eggs in the Brock Purdy basket at this point, the guy's coming off elbow surgery. And like, yeah, he yeah. looked really good. But like Jimmy Garoppolo was a top five quarterback in the league over his last five games with the 49ers in 2017 before getting hurt. And he mm-hmm. was never the same guy after the injury. So yeah. we have no idea if Brock Purdy is going to be the same guy after the injury. You have Trey Lance there. I get wanting to get good value for him and maybe not wanting to pay your third string quarterback $9 million or whatever his cap hit's going to be this year. But like, you really need that draft pick? Wouldn't you rather have a quarterback who knows that's, your offense or you, who still has a high ceiling? That's the thing is like, unless they're getting a top 50 pick, I just can't imagine they're moving him. Because I think whatever they can get this year, they can probably get something pretty close next year. Yeah. I'm, but part of the value is having that more like another year on the rookie deal. Yeah, that's true. Man. In terms of like a trade asset. So I don't know. I think it's risky just because like if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll the, see. The defense, we'll is, see. the defense is really good, but like I would, I would just keep, I would just keep the optionality. Like that's it. That's just, that's just it. Like, would you rather Trey Lance start a game for you in late December or Max Duggan? Yeah, I'm taking Trey Lance. Yeah. In fact, I'm taking Trey Lance over Sam Darnold in September, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. But I, again, the, the one thing I would say is like, if you're off of him, then just be off of him. Don't worry about, that's fair. don't, don't worry about what you gave up. Like that's a sunk cost. Like just, you're not getting those picks back. If you're off, just move off and start, yeah. you know, cut your losses while you can. I get that part of it, but I would just be stunned if quarterback guru and developer Kyle Shanahan is just off the guy that he basically made the biggest gamble on of his coaching career. Yeah. Like that would be a wild, wild development in my opinion. And it would call into question what you just brought up. Like, do they like, is Adam Peters letting Kyle Shanahan just moving forward, have carte blanche to pick a quarterback. If the Trey Lance thing doesn't work. I'm fascinated by the fact you said Adam Peters and not John Lynch. Let's be, come on, let's be adults. (laughs) We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No. Um, speaking of of John Lynch and Adam Peters, as we transition away from the quarterback stuff, which we will uh, be keeping a very close eye on with the draft just eight days away, uh, a week away, if you're listening to this on Thursday when it comes out. But let's talk about the draft. We're going to pick our three guys on the offensive side, and then we'll do defense next week. But we started on the offensive side, three guys that we like. We did this independently and didn't pick two of the same guy, which I think is is good for the show. But let's let's have you start. Yeah. You've been in the lab. You've been grinding. Yeah. Who's the first player that jumped out to you? Okay, with so the 49ers as... scheduled to pick number 99 with the potential that they could move up. And I was looking at trade charts, like mm-hmm. trade value charts. If they package two of their third round picks, they can realistically get like into the middle to beginning of the third round. Yeah. So as of right now, their three third round picks are all cons- compensatory. Um, they're 99, 101, and 102. So if they don't trade up, all the media people are going to be really stressed out for a period of about 20 minutes <laughs> because the <laughs> Niners are going to be making three selections and four picks during the draft. Just brutal. Um, but okay, so my first, my first guy. There's there's a theme with all of my guys. I think. Um, you remember a few weeks ago when we talked about just sort of draft philosophy, and we mentioned gold helmet guys and just guys mm-hmm. that, you know, like gold helmet guys are the guy, the team captains, the guys who work really hard, um, a, even away from the facility, the guys who get better every off season. Um, toughness, intangibles, all that stuff, right? Like, I feel like we get so wrapped up so often in what's their 40 time, what's their arm length, you know, what's their highlight tape look like? You know, you could, and, and the gold helmet guys like Fred Warner and George Kittle and like other guys later in the draft, Drake Greenlaw, Talanoa Hufunga, those guys aren't like combine superstars, but they're just like really high quality professionals who end up turning into really good players. Um, mm-hmm. So that's sort of the approach I took was trying to, in my limited resources, identify possible gold helmet guys that mm-hmm. would be in the range of the set, the sort of second to fifth round, figuring the 49ers might be able to maneuver a little bit, whether it's trading their third round compensatory picks or trading future picks, moving up, whatever. Um, So the first guy is Matthew Bergeron, a tackle from Syracuse. Um, He's from Canada. He didn't start playing football until later in life. Um, But he's somebody who I think has garden tackle versatility, played left tackle at Syracuse, was a team captain, played a lot. Um, hmm. and you look at somebody, the 49ers lost this off season, Daniel Brunskill. I think Matthew Bergeron could potentially be a Daniel Brunskill type replacement. Somebody who could play any of the four non-center positions, 
in a pinch in a backup role and potentially be somebody that could develop into a right tackle or even a left tackle where he played in college. If Trent Williams decide, like say Trent Williams only plays for two more years. I think Bergeron is somebody who could potentially develop into a starter at left tackle um, while learning from Trent Williams in the meantime. So um, he's a team captain. Mm. Like I said, Um, he moves, he moves pretty well for a tackle. There are questions about his pass protection and I know some people like him as a guard, um, but you think about a lot of the guards that Kyle Shanahan's targeted before. They they are former tackles, right? Mm-hmm. They're tackles who move really well and move inside. And there's there, there are some highlights of Bergeron getting to the second level and running plays that stood out, right? That's always a big part of what Kyle Shanahan likes. So Bergeron might not be somebody who has like amazing traits or gifts but I think just the the stability that he could bring, the fact he was a team captain, the fact he didn't miss any time in college, um, I, I just think that he's somebody like in the mid rounds. If they drafted him, it wouldn't surprise me if he turned into somebody who could develop into a starter down the line, and somebody who, in the meantime, could be a backup swing tackle. Somebody pushes Jalen Moore, or just more importantly, somebody who replaces Daniel Brunskill in the short term. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting because they need a right tackle. Or I, I maybe Colton McKivitz is the guy and they feel really good about it. But I think they have to come away in this draft with somebody who can at least push McKivitz, if not beat him out for the job. And I think he could. Yeah, and 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 I like that idea. And I, I think you're you're right on with the Niners picking guys who can play multiple spots or picking tackles who can play guard. That's what they did with Jalen Moore. That's what they did with Colton McKivitz. Like they've they've really like hammered the idea of picking versatile guys or or picking tackles who can move to guard. Um, that is the opposite of the offensive lineman I chose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I think that that you're right. I think Bergeron is a is a good player and he could compete at right tackle. I like the idea of developing him at left tackle for the post Trent Williams era. Um, The guy I picked is Wanya Morris from Oklahoma. He's not as good of a prospect, but he's six, five in the three ten range. He has legit tackle size. He started 12 games as a freshman for Tennessee and was a freshman all American. He eventually transferred to Oklahoma where he started nine games at right tackle. Sorry, eight games at right tackle last year. Um, he has 35 inch arms, 35 plus inch arms, um, 85 inch wingspan. He's a good athlete. Like he doesn't, he doesn't move like a, he doesn't lumber around like he can actually move. And I think he's going to be a tackle in the NFL. And I think the Niners need that. Like, I think they need a player that is just like, Hey, you're going to play tackle. And if you don't win the starting right tackle job, you are the swing tackle. Not yeah. Hey, you're going to play guard unless we need a tackle. In which case that's what they did with Jalen Moore. Like they picked him to play on the interior and then like, oh, well, Trent Williams is is out. So you're just going to be the left tackle for training camp. And he just never got those reps inside. So I like the idea of taking Wanya Morris. I think he had some academic stuff this past season. He missed the first two games of the year for, for Oklahoma. Um, he opted out of the bowl game. So I think that's going to hurt his draft stock a little bit. But I just, I I love all the physical tools that he has. Like I said, he doesn't he doesn't lumber around like a player of his size, which I think is a big deal if you're going to be a tackle in the Niners' offense. And mm. 
I, I, I think that he's, he's, he's talented enough that he could push McKivitz this year. And if not, he's at least a, a swing tackle option. Yeah. I think we're, we're both barking up similar trees there. Yeah. Um, no there, there's going to be some offensive line expert who like has a really strong take. Who's going to listen to this and send you. And that's a- fine. <laughs> and that's fine. I'm not an offensive line expert. So <laughs> if you have a different take on either of those players, let us know, man. Yeah. Like this is all, it's all guessing. Yeah. <laughs> um, who who is the who's the second player that that jumped out for you okay so this one might be kind of a layup and maybe kind of obvious but it's fine like sometimes the obvious picks are the right picks um i'm going with sam laporta the tight end from iowa Hmm. and this guy he might the 49ers would probably have to trade up for him like they they'd probably have to trade up for bergeron also but i feel it wouldn't be surprising if this was the target, um, you get Austin Hooper vibes from, from Sam Laporta. And you remember mm. two years ago in free agency, the 49ers were kicking around the idea of adding Austin Hooper um, mm-hmm. as a second tight end. And I just look at Sam Laporta. He's definitely not an inline blocker. He's not. Um, he's, he's much more of a Ross Dwelly type than than a charlie warner type and i think ross dwelly has not done a whole lot to really solidify his standing as the number three tight end and i think laporta has potential to be a secondary tight end who you could play a lot and sort of be like a sneaky good passing receiving target for you particularly given all the matchup issues that you already get with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle on the field. And I think Laporta, I mean, this he had 153 catches at Iowa. Like, Jeez. you know, George Kittle had, what, 40-something catches, I think, total yeah. in his career at Iowa. Um, he ran a 4.59. He's 6'3", 245, so he's obviously not huge, but he ran a 4.59, 6.913 cone. I know I just said, like, I'm, I'm not super into um, – into combine stats, but this guy was a team captain. He was a two-year starter. Uh, sorry, three-year starter. He was honorable all Big Ten and led the team in receiving as a as a sophomore. Um, it's so I just think like at some point the 49ers are going to draft a tight end. And I don't know that they're necessarily gonna try to find a, a guy who is like a dominant blocker because mm-hmm. You like it's rare to have three of your tight ends all be dominant blockers. Like I think Charlie Warner's a good blocker. George Kittle, obviously, a really good blocker. They've been sort of in the market for that move tight end, and I think that Ross Dwelly spot could definitely be upgraded with somebody like Sam Laporta. And I think as the league continues to get more pass happy, tight ends aren't going to be required to block, obviously, mm-hmm. as often. Um, so I think Laporta makes a ton of sense sort of in that Austin Hooper mold and is somebody that could potentially develop into George Kittle's replacement because Kittle is going to be 30 here coming up. And at some point, you know, you have to realize that George Kittle isn't going to be on the team forever. George Kittle turning 30 this year shook me. Like that was hard. That was hard to come to grips with. For me, like, that I was, moment, I was, I was writing at Niners wire when he got drafted and now he's 30. Like what? That that moment for me happened because me Richard Sherman and I are pretty much the same age. 
when Richard Sherman was like sort of talking about retirement and people were like, oh, Richard Sherman's washed. He should retire. I was like, man, this is the same age as Sherman. <laughs> yeah. like, this is, this, I feel old. Um, but no, I, yeah, that, that, that is, it is crazy. And that's sort of why you think about the age of prospects, right? Cause I think George Kittle yeah. was 23 coming out. So I kind of wonder the thing that, that I love about Laporta is that he also lettered in baseball and track in high school. Yeah. And I just think multi-sport athletes are, are a big deal. Also team captain. Also a team captain, yes. But I I don't I, I don't dislike him as a prospect. I just wonder how much the Niners are really going to value tight end. Like the Matt Miller from ESPN said that the Niners have done more homework than than any other team on the tight ends, and we're hearing that they're having all these visits and I just George Kittle, fifth round pick, Charlie Warner, sixth round pick. Ross Dwelly undrafted. And then they've brought in journeyman guys like Tyler Croft and Jordan Reed to to try and to try and fill in on those spots. Uh, Jordan Matthews, the former receiver, has made the switch to tight end and they had him on the practice squad. So I I get the idea of of Laporta and I, I like the fit, but I just don't know if the Niners are gonna trade up to go get a tight end. Yeah, I just I, I kind of wonder how they value the position. So I'm I'm fascinated to see if they identify a player like that. If they're like have to go get him, trade all three third round picks, get in the second round, go get him, or if it's yeah, there's these five guys that will be around in the fifth or sixth round, and we'll grab one of them. I do think they need to look at just the on off splits, for lack of a better term, when like when George Kittle's available and when he isn't. Yeah, and at some point it changes their offense. Yeah, it changes their offense a lot. At some point, if Kittle does miss time and you have to assume, you know, that that issue isn't going to go away as he gets into his 30s here, that like you'd want a better pass catching option behind him. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that sort of was the whole point of of kicking the tires on Austin Hooper. Um, So I just think like they, you know, we've said we've alluded to it. We've talked about it like every year now, like at some point they have to draft a tight end. And with how many good tight ends are in this class, whether it's Laporta or somebody else, I do feel like this is a year for them to actually draft one. And whether or not they use them a lot, that remains to be seen. But like, I just think the offense could be even more dynamic if you had a second tight end who you relied on. And also like somebody who, you know, Kyle Juszczyk has to miss a couple games with a knee sprain or whatever, like somebody mm-hmm. who can use in that role. And I think Laporta could do that too. Um, and we know obviously that Iowa and Kirk Ferentz's offense tends to translate to the NFL in terms of learning curves. So yeah, that was my, that was my thinking right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to do the tight end I picked as well. I do think it's, it says a lot about the Niners draft needs that we both went offensive tackle, tight end, and then skill guy. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a second. The wow, tight end. Spoiler that, alert. Yeah, sorry. Don't uh, cut that. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, the tight end I I picked is is gonna go later than than Laporta, but he is the spider graph god of the position. And I know that's going to appeal to you, big spider graph guy. Of course. 
Zach Kuntz, the tight end from Old Dominion, bro. 6'7", 255, cranked out a 4.55 in the 40-yard dash with a 1.55 split, a 40-inch vertical, a 10.8 broad jump, and 34-inch arms with 10 and a quarter inch hands. He's a giant. He is massive. He's super athletic. And I just, I, I, I'm not comparing him to Gronk because he's not the the chances that he's <laughs> he's going to be Rob Gronkowski are are slim to none. Sure. But dude, like, if you're going to take a flyer on a tight end late in the draft, go go get go get this guy. He tore his ACL last year. He missed the last seven games. He's going to be available late. I'm guessing fifth or sixth round in 2021. So he's at Penn State for three years. In 2021, after he transferred to ODU, he was first team All-Conference USA. He led the team in receiving 692 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, the following year in five games, 12 catches, 144 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Like, he's he's massive. He can move. Is he going to be a starter right away? No, probably not. But do you feel good about putting him in a, in a two-tight end set every once in a while and, and kind of bringing him along that way? I I think yes. And maybe they want a guy like Cameron Latu or or a guy like Braden Willis, two guys that 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 they've they've met with. Um maybe they want a tight end like that with more experience who they feel is more plug and play. But I think if you're gonna take a flyer, a late round flyer on a tight end who has a high ceiling as a pass catcher, I think Zach Koontz is the kind of player you go get. Did you mention is I've I've been Doing a little bit of research. Did you mention his vertical jump? Yes, forty inch vertical. One hundred and twenty eight inch broad jump. Six eight He's seven just... three cone. Dude, I'm telling. He is a his spider graph is just a circle. <laughs> He's ninetieth percentile or better in height, ten yard split, forty yard dash, vertical jump, broad jump, three cone, and twenty yard shuttle. Like he's just an athletic freak, and he's and he huge. has ten inch hands. Ten and a quarter inch chance, eighty first percentile, yeah. first position. Huge. Like he just he's he's an he's an athletic freak, and I'm in on plugging that guy into a Kyle Shanahan offense and seeing if it works. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. Um, last I'm, one. I'm into it. And like I, I said, they come he, away he's with be a, available later. I think they come in with a they come away with the tackle in the tight end. I do too. Okay, Glad maybe agree. early. Maybe early. Maybe early, but I still I still wonder how much they value tight end. Yeah. Anywho, who's okay. your last one? Uh, this is a former teammate of one Brock Purdy. Big time. Xavier Hutchinson, or X as I like to call him. Your guy X. <laughs> My guy X. Could be, I don't know, third, fourth round pick, fifth round pick. Doesn't have like amazing athletic traits but is just a really productive overall receiver. Like it's just hmm. kind of a gamer. Like the, the, the way we feel about Jawan Jennings, I think is, is how we would feel about Xavier Hutchinson. Um, he just hmm. super productive can get open. He's not like, he's not Debo where you just give him the ball and let him go. Um, he's not the route runner technician that maybe Brandon Ayuk is. But he's a guy who can play in the slot. He can play outside. He can make tough catches in traffic. And he's just got familiarity with Brock Purdy. And he's always available. He played in 12, 13, and 12 games. 
over his three years at Iowa State with the Cyclones, two of which were catching passes from Brock Purdy. Um, And, you know, almost 3,000 yards, 15 touchdowns. Again, not like a huge guy, um, not a small guy. I mean, 6'3", 210, he would give the 49ers some some size at receiver. But I, I look at him in the in a similar way to we would to to how we look at Juwan Jennings and what he could provide the offense. I think mm-hmm. Danny Gray is still gonna be the speed guy. Um I think Ray Ray McLeod is still there to be the slot uh returner guy, right? Like I I just think the 49ers when you know, when they're dealing with injuries at receiver, you probably don't want to take, you know, you, you probably wouldn't hate to have a well-rounded guy be like, all right, we're like Debo Samuel's missing this game with a, with a hamstring injury. We'll throw in X, my guy X and, and yeah. he can just run oh, routes nice. and convert third downs for us. And we know he can, cause we saw him do it with Brock Purdy at Iowa state. Um, so I just think in terms of like a depth a depth piece you're going for somebody who might not have any elite one elite trait, but just a lot of really solid ones. And I I think that that could benefit the back end of the 49ers depth chart. Yeah. I, I think if they're going to go get a receiver, I I think your guy X is (laughs) the kind of specific, like just kind of receiver that, that they would go get. Because maybe Juwan Jennings prices himself out this year if he has a really strong year. Yeah. And if he if if he can block a little bit, like, yeah, why not? He gets open and he catches the ball. Like those that's what so so I watched him a little bit. And that was again, not a comparison, but <laughs> it wasn't it it I felt the same way I did like watching Cooper Cup, where wow where not not that he's going to be that good that's not what i'm saying but in the evaluation of cooper cup it was like dude this guy just gets open he's got he's fine size wise he gets open and then he catches the ball when it's thrown to him like that that's the core tenets of being a receiver yeah i just think it gets overlooked a lot because because um he runs a four or five and doesn't have all these crazy athletic traits or anything but dude he's just crafty and good and he gets open and he already has a rapport with brock Purdy, which i think matters yeah and he's like just competitive, right? and, just like competitive and, toughness. Like that's you know you you get you can you can find a four two five guy who's not willing to run over the middle or make a key catch in traffic, right? Like he's yeah. he's you know four five. I think it, I, I was looking at his college reference page. He was listed at six three two ten at the combine. He measured <laughs> he measured six one and seven tenths. So he's closer to six two, <laughs> even below <laughs> six two, but listed at six three. So he's almost six two and two hundred, two hundred three, two hundred four pounds. But again, like four or five. His parents were in the Navy, both of them. Like I just think that mm. kind of counts for something. Talking about he's the, a gold helmet potential there. Gold gold helmet potential. Yeah. So okay. um, yeah, I do think, you know, his mom played basketball, his dad was a track star. Mm. there's there's just some some gold helmet whiffs out there with uh with my guy <laughs> i am gonna stay in the skill position player realm but i am gonna go with a running back and third round running backs have not worked out great for the 49ers the last couple of years but 
I have a difficult time believing that they're cool with going in with Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason, and Ty Davis Price. I think they're going to make an ad at that position. And maybe they maybe they go late day three and, and just go that route. But if they decide for the third year in a row to try and get a running back in the third round, I think Devon A. Chain from Texas A&M makes a lot of sense. And he's 5'8", a buck 88. That's what he measured at the combine. Ran a 4.32 in the 40. He led the SEC in yards per carry in 2021. He averaged seven yards per carry on 130 attempts, and he had nine touchdowns. But the thing that jumps out to me is over the last two years, so he became the full-time starter only last year, but he played in 12 games with one start in 2021. Over the last two years, he has 60 catches for 457 yards and four touchdowns. And those aren't all just like screens and and checkdowns. Like those were there for sure. But I think he can legit like split out and be a Christian McCaffrey type of player where you just have to account for him as a receiver and running back. And if the Niners are going to draft a running back, it has to be a player like that. I just I just don't think the Ty Davis Price, Trey Sermon style of like, yeah, hey, this guy's a tough runner and he gets downhill and he he runs hard. I just don't I just don't that hasn't worked. So go get a player who can legitimately impact the game as a receiver. Go get a player who when he's in the game on third down, like you just you feel okay about it because he's going to be able to catch a pass and you can do some things with him where he is splitting out and playing out of the slot and being effective. So I'm, I, he's a high school track star. Um, he can return kicks. I, I just, yeah, add an elite athlete at running back and let Kyle Shanahan do some work. How do you feel about running back value in the third or fourth round of the draft? Kyle? I'm fine with it there. I'm fine with it. No, I'm fine. No, I'm fine with it. I no, Because I mean, it's, like Matt Breida, undrafted guy. Raheem right. Mostert, undrafted, but he was with the 49ers when they got there. Elijah Mitchell, sixth round pick. Like I, I, I get all that, but that's why I, I picked A Chain specifically because A, he has that like home run speed. B, I think he is a skilled runner. Like it's not, oh, he's just faster than everybody and he's he's just kind of making it up as he goes. Like, no, I think he can be that kind of one cut downhill runner. But then he has that Matt Breida type speed where he can run away from everybody. Four three two. Yeah, like he can move and he looks fast. Like it's not like oh he's just good at the forty. Like no, he just he he's fast. And I think that pass catching element matters so much in the evaluation of a running back. Yeah, that's why Bajan Robinson, who's going to go in the first round, like no, he's a legit wide receiver running back, like dual threat type of player. The same way Christian McCaffrey was, is. So I, I'm I. Again, not trying to make comparisons there, just that kind of style. That's that's what I think they need. And if they're gonna pick a running back, I, I think A chain would would be a really nice ad. Yeah, I don't hate it at all. And he's just fun as hell to watch. Yeah. Which that's what I'm here for. Yeah, I, I would always push back on the running back valuation thing. Like I mean, running backs do matter. I mean, I guess I guess the issue is there are people who say running backs don't matter. It's like, no, you just you can get good ones late in the draft. You don't have to use an early one, but they definitely matter. Like there's no world where you watch an offense like Kyle Shanahan that utilizes the running game and play action and even receivers out of the backfield as much as it does and say running backs don't matter. Like the team just traded all those picks for Christian McCaffrey. Of course, running backs matter. Yeah, but you just don't have to 
use an early round pick to get one. But it's also like there's different if the 49ers if I was in favor of the Christian McCaffrey trade. I would not have been in favor of that same trade if it was Derrick Henry. If that makes Ab- sense. Yes, absolutely. Because Christian McCaffrey affects the game in more ways than just, yeah, hand the ball off and he's going to run for a lot of yards. Because you can generate yards. Like we've seen Kyle Shanahan do that time and time again. But it's like, how can they how can they affect the game other ways? And you see Christian McCaffrey, how many times did a play that used to be a sack turn into a first down because Christian McCaffrey was on the field? That yeah. touchdown that he caught against the Rams. Like there's no not many running backs are are making that play. So it's it's the style. It's how do they contribute to the offense? Mm-hmm. And Christian McCaffrey contributes in more ways than the typical running back. And I that's where A chain lands. That's where a guy like Bajon Robinson lands. That's 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 it's not black and white running back good or running back bad. Right. It's what's the investment and what do they do for your offense? And like so much of what Kyle Shanahan does is about like positionless football, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Debo Samuel plays multiple positions. You can argue George Kittle plays multiple positions. Kyle Juszczyk plays multiple positions. Like you look at all the skill guys the 49ers have. Christian McCaffrey obviously is included in that. Like Brandon Ayuk's the only one where you're like, yeah, he's a receiver and that's kind of all he does. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, like the, they Brandon even Ayuk run two one dimensional. <laughs> they, they even run reverses to George Kittle. You know, they like they use yeah. Kittle as a tackle or a fullback or a tight end yeah. or a slot receiver or a wide receiver. Like they they, you I, know, <laughs> they, they u- utilize these guys in so many different ways. And yeah, to your point about Christian McCaffrey, like that was what we said when they made the trade, it was like, no, if, if they just run him into the ground 25 times a game, the trade's not going to, it's not going to be great. Mm-hmm. And then in his second game, he's catching a touchdown pass. He's running a touchdown. He's throwing a touchdown pass. Right. To sort of showcase, showcase that versatility we we're talking about. But um, no, I, I agree with you. If you do get a running back, getting somebody who can do a little bit of everything, I think yeah. makes sense. And, and, how do you say how do you pronounce his last name? A chain? A chain, yeah. And I need to I need it to be clear here. I'm not saying they should trade up for him, but if he falls the 99 yeah. and they took him, I wouldn't hate it. And the yeah. reason I picked him is because he got mocked to the 49ers. And so mm. whenever a guy gets mocked to the Niners, they'll go watch him. And like I said, he was just a blast to watch. And then I texted a friend of the show, Danny Kelly, and I was like, tell me about this guy, Devon A chain. He just got mocked to the 49ers. And he had a very negative reaction as a person who supports the Seahawks. <laughs> so that was that tells me a lot about the kind of player HN is. Indoor and outdoor all American in the hundred meters, two hundred meters, and four by one. Multi-sport relay. athlete. Ten he ran a ten one four in the hundred. That's cr- that's crazy fast. Yeah. Um his qual his two hundred meter was this is according to Dane Brugler. Uh, his 200 meter was 20.2 seconds. And Brugler okay. says the standard 200 meter time for Olympic trial qualifiers is 2.24. 20.24? Yeah, 20.24. Okay. Did I say two? I meant 20. Yeah. I was like, damn, he's 18 seconds slower. Good. <laughs> no, good at reading. I am good at reading. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's fast. He can move. He can scoot. 
just to, just go, honestly, you don't even have to go deep dive for like all twenty two or anything. Just go do Devon A chain highlights. Yeah, and he could also, I mean, initially, if, if even if he's not getting carries, he can be your kick returner. Yeah, and he can contribute on third downs. Like I'm just, I, I think there's a lot he can do. But again, it not I. I think he probably winds up going earlier than the Niners are going to be picking, unless uh-huh. they trade Trey Lance, <laughs> just to bring this full circle. But if they traded Trey Lance for a pick and used the pick on a running back, that's the funniest outcome. Oh man, I don't know if "funny" is the word for it, but it's definitely one of the one of the most something, <laughs> the most. Actually, the outcomes. funniest outcome. The funniest outcome is they trade Trey Lance for a pick and then use that pick on Hendon Hooker. The quarterback from Tennessee. To me, the funniest outcome would be if Trey Lance actually ended up being the best, like their best option going forward at some point. Like Brock Purdy doesn't no, start right. the year, and they like, oh, they're three and zero with Trey Lance, and he has, you know, seven touchdown passes and no picks, and he's running for eighty yards a game with a couple right. rushing that touchdowns. Be, yeah. That's the funniest outcome at this point yeah. because it seems like the 49ers are doing everything they can to be in a position where Trey Lance is not their quarterback. Yeah, man. If they trade him, they better hope he stinks. <laughs> yeah. Trade him for the Falcons for a bag of chips. And then he's like an MVP candidate in three years. <laughs> Yikes. It's on the table. Si- Atlanta signs Trey Lance to a five-year, $400 million contract. And it'd be so easy for them to be like, Trey Lana. <laughs> like it just, oh man yeah. yikes yeah. all right let's get out of here yeah, this we'll has been it. a delight i've really enjoyed talking about the nfl draft with you <laughs> yeah i uh it feel it feels nice to get away from the nba playoffs for a second um you have any thoughts on the draymond green suspension yeah i mean what are you gonna do he stomped on a guy and then screamed at the crowd about it yeah like that's the th- it's <laughs> I get the focus from, especially from Warriors fans, like, dude, Sabonis is grabbing his ankle. Like, he's grabbing his leg. But you can see, Draymond put some extra sauce on that stomp. Oh, yeah. And, of course he did. And, I, that, like, that, that, you just, you can't do that, man. I mean. I think, yeah, like, I, so, obviously, it's, like, a very polarizing thing because, like, I'm around Kings media. I've been around Warriors media. Like, to me, I'm like, yeah, Sabonis probably shouldn't have grabbed him and Draymond probably shouldn't have stomped on him. I find that, like, both parties were somewhat at fault. Draymond's probably more at fault. But, like, I, there, there just seems like there's so much pearl clutching about it. Like, oh, I can't believe he's suspended. Like, oh, good that he's suspended. You know, like, yeah, they, it, it's just such a polarizing thing. It's like, why can't we just look at him? You're like, Domas probably shouldn't have grabbed his ankle. And Draymond probably shouldn't have stomped on him. <laughs> like, yeah. and I get it. Like, if I'm playing basketball and someone's laying on the ground and grabs my ankle, and I'm like, it's a playoff game and I'm super competitive, like I might kick the dude. Totally. Like, Stop grabbing me. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I kick the dude. But also, like, I have to understand that if I do kick the dude or stomp on the dude, that could get suspended. I do think But also, I also do the think Kings. Go ahead. The Kings being like, oh, hey, he's going to have an x-ray. And then like, oh, he's questionable. Like, go away. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'll leave that one alone. But I I do think. (laughs) 
I, I one thing, and I agree with the the people who have said like like I don't think his antics with the crowd or the fact he has a past history should factor into him getting suspended. I agree. Like this is why you have a point system when it comes to technicals mm-hmm. and flagrants. Like this is yeah. the definition of why. Like Draymond getting suspended in the 2016 playoffs. That was seven years ago. Right. Like you're gonna factor that into yeah. the this suspension. Like I get he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt on a lot of things. Nor like, does he really deserve it at this point. Sure. Totally. Like. Oh, he like has a history, so this is why we're suspending him. Like, come on, man. But if he, okay, but it, right, but if you're gonna do that, then keep a point system for careers. Yeah, just then that's then that's what you have to do. You can't just on a whim because Tim Kalakami, a second mention of the show. You're welcome, Tim. Subscribe to the Athletic. Um, he's he he mentioned so Draymond misses the final seven minutes of a of game two, and then is gonna miss another game, and then. As the flagrant points stack up, like there's there's a chance that he misses another one. Yeah. I I don't know, man. It's I, ultimately look, the bottom line for me is we hear time and time again, and we have over Draymond's whole career, it's just Draymond, and he knows how to toe the line, and we're gonna live with it because he's a winning player. And like this is the second playoff series now that he's gonna cost them. And it like <laughs> You know, it's yeah. Man. Like if if there's that's one, that's tough to reconcile. But they also don't win four titles without him. So yeah, I would agree. I I agree with all of that. I think it's pretty clear if you're the Warriors and you have to break up the big three, which is really unfortunate because I think the NBA rules that penalize teams for drafting and developing and winning with players who end up becoming expensive, penalizing them with insane luxury tax bills. I just find problematic and reductive. Yeah. Um, I get the Andrew Wiggins part of it and how much, you know, his salary was a product of Kevin Durant coming and the 2016 cap spike and all that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, if you draft these dudes, you should be able to pay them to stick around. Like it's, it's, yeah. that's sort of the whole point of sports, right? Is to like right. draft identify dudes that like fan bases can like, know that like this guy is going to be a warrior for life and i feel like draymond's probably earned that but i think steph and clay have earned it more and i think if you're the warriors and you're looking at the possibility of losing in the playoffs not winning a title and breaking it up at this point draymond's given you every reason to be the guy that you end up moving on from between Mm -hmm. him and clay right yeah especially if bob myers is gone because Bob Myers appears to be the only person that can talk to Draymond. Yeah, Bob Myers will bring Draymond with him to the Lakers. The Lakers uh, Clippers. or Clippers or Wizards just fired their GM. <laughs> Bob goes to the Wizards. That would be an upset. <laughs> um, I do find it interesting that Damian Lillard's being like suspension. What? That doesn't hmm. make sense. Hmm. <laughs> this is an outrage. I am so upset about Draymond Green's suspension. I wonder if he's going to be available this summer. <laughs> Dame is still a big guy at heart. I respect it. Yeah, no, I, I like Dame. But yeah, anyway, I just can't like, I get why Warriors fans are upset about it. I get why Kings fans are upset about it. I just wish everyone would sort of agree that like, everyone could agree that maybe there are multiple bad actors, one on either side, 
one's probably worse than the other, but we can just accept that these things happen in the playoffs without being like everyone playing the victim card or curl arrest this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Pearl clutching or like, Oh my God, he stomped on him. It's like, Domas is fine. Oh my God. He's suspended. It's like, he probably, it's not the craziest thing. He got suspended. You know, like, I think we can all just accept that this is crazy and it's a playoffs and that's what happens. Totally. Okay. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. Sorry for keeping you on that. Can't wait to get back to basketball. (laughs) (laughs) No, we'll do uh, we'll be back next week. We will do the defensive players we like, and then we'll have some, some draft content for you with the draft on Thursday. We'll be doing stuff for you during, during that whole process as well. Who's on the pod? TBD. Depends on might depend on this basketball <laughs> Anyways, we'll have content for you. Keep checking your feed. Subscribe, rate, and review to Candlestick Chronicles wherever you can get your podcast if you have not done that yet. And we'll talk to you next time. See Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.